What is good, fantasy football community? We are back with the Fantasy Wire podcast, back and better than ever. Had us a little bit of... Love it, love it. Tony's here with me, and uh, Jaron is off tonight because we are catching up from last week. I had a little rest and recovery at the lake and some different vacation stuff, and now that we got that out of the way, it's back to business. So, Let's be real. Jaron bailed on us. That's true. He had no faith. He bailed on us. That's true. He told us his exact words. I'm too old. That's that's all I'm I heard. Too old. Oh man. I'm gonna get that printed on a t shirt. <laughs> I love it. I love it. But yeah, man, so you got me you got Tony and me here, and we are we're just gonna jump into the AFC South. You know, we've got we've got two conferences left, uh two divisions left. And uh, we've got the AFC South, and then we'll have the AFC West for you. We're going to do a nice little doubleheader this week to catch up. Uh, one pod tonight and one pod tomorrow. So um, without further ado, let's go on ahead and talk about uh, a team that to me is pretty interesting this year, and that is the Indianapolis Colts. So they basically, you know, they got the new quarterback, Phillip Rivers is in town. They have the best offensive line in football. And then I think they have a pretty underrated head coach. You know, uh, I mean, big-time football people talk about Frank Reich, and, I mean, they think he's the real deal. But just a casual fan, you probably aren't thinking too highly of him yet. So I'm really interested in if they're going to be able to make a move in this division, which realistically, you know, a lot of people look at the Titans and what they did last year at the end of the season and in the playoffs and, they're excited about them, but really, I feel like this is a weaker division overall. So I just, you know, I wonder what the Colts can do, see if they can do some damage. I don't think they're going to be a flashy team, but uh, they might be exciting for, uh, just from a real football standpoint. So I uh, talked about the quarterback. We got Phillip Rivers is in town. So the man with like 12 children, and uh, <laughs> they, <laughs> they, they made their way to Indianapolis. So, man, uh you know, he is a he's a good NFL quarterback, and I think the question for him this year is going to be, can he limit turnovers? Uh, so and that's that's the thing is he's he's good. No one no one comes out and says that he's great, and he definitely could have taken the steps to be great, and he just always ends up as good. Mm-hmm. He's reliable, but not reliable enough to really push the team over the edge. And that kind of limits things for me a little bit, but definitely in a new environment, I'm kind of, I'm pretty excited for Phillip Rivers. I think it's more exciting than him being at the Chargers. Yeah. Oh man, I do too. And I think that, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head with the good, not great. And I think that's very representative of what he is and will be for fantasy. So, you know, he's ranked at QB 25. I think he'll finish higher than that. I think it's safe to say that he will finish higher than that. But I mean, I don't, He's going to be a streaming option. He's not somebody you need to draft. Uh, And, you know, you'll see after the first few weeks of the season, is he somebody that is going to end up being a viable streamer? Uh, I will say one little note about Phillip Rivers is, you know, he threw 21 interceptions last year. And that is well above his career average. So some people are going to argue that that's the new normal. He's on the decline. He's older. But there's also an argument that, He's only done that one other time in his career. He threw 20 interceptions. And then the following season, he only threw 10. And he threw for over 4,700 yards. So, 
Does he have a bounce and that back? Could be, that could be a testament of you don't want Phillip Rivers to have to force things. And I think he forced a lot of things last season, and that's why you got that number. And he's not that type of guy. He, he, he can read what's going on, but fitting a tight window is another question. Yeah, yeah. And I would say when you talk about immobility, he is up oh, there with Tom sure. Brady. But now he has pretty much pro fan or pro football focus rated number one offensive line in the league. So that's a big difference. And, you know, I think that the point of talking about Phillip Rivers in this light is not to say that he's a fantasy asset, but it's to say, I think he's going to make this team better, which makes some of his fantasy options interesting. And one of those fantasy options is Jonathan Taylor. Uh, Jonathan Taylor best college running back coming into the draft um you know not much of a pass catcher in college which if that translates over into the nfl you know we talk main focus normally we're talking ppr leagues but we also obviously mention standard leagues and half ppr so that could play a part in his uh in his what draft capital you want to spend if you're in a ppr league uh and you can't count on him for receptions then obviously that devalues him a little bit but right now he's at RB22 and an ADP of 47. And I, also, I heard this argument uh, somewhere else when I was doing my research, and I, I thought it was a pretty good argument. And that is right now at an ADP of 47, you're looking at him in the fifth round. Depending on your draft strategy, if you can get Jonathan Taylor, who I personally assume is the lead running back, well before the midway point of the season. I think it takes a few weeks and the cream rises to the crop. Marlon Mack is a good running back, but I mean, if Jonathan Taylor lives up to the combine numbers that he's put up and the college numbers he put up and just the physical specimen that he is, he is a different breed of running back. So if all of that translates and the cream rises to the crop, I think in the first quarter of the season, he's their show pony, he's their guy. And behind the number one line in the league, he could be a big-time value depending on how your draft is shaken out. And the reason I say that is because if you can get him as your RB3 because you've already drafted, say, in round one, you took a running back. Round two, you took a running back. Three and four, you took uh, receivers. And then all of a sudden, Jonathan Taylor's sitting there in round five. I think that's a no-brainer. Where it becomes a bigger question is, do you feel comfortable if he's your RB2? And that's where you start playing that game of, uh, is he going to be the starter day one? Is it going to take some time? Et cetera, et cetera. So if he's your RB3, I'm full steam ahead. If he has to be your RB2, I think he definitely has that talent. I mean, I think he has top 12 upside if, if all things shake out the way he needs them to. But I don't think that's a sure thing. So uh, what, what are your thoughts there? I think that what you just heard is a perspective coming from someone who's on the front end of the draft that has the availability of getting one of those stud running backs and being able to complement that stud running back. Someone at the end of the draft, at the end of the round, maybe 10th, 10th 11th, 12th pick, 7th, 8th, 9th, you're maybe getting a wide receiver and possibly going wide receiver heavy. So you're probably getting running backs after that. And to me... Where I'm at, which which is the ninth pick, I believe, somewhere at the end. Mm-hmm. I if I went that route of going wide receiver heavy, I just don't know if I would feel comfortable enough taking Jonathan Taylor because 
I know Marlon Mack is a really good running back, and I know that they like to incorporate everyone because Naeem Himes still has a career, and people know who his name is. Yeah. So I would be slightly hesitant, not to say that Jonathan Taylor doesn't take over, but if he's my one of my main options, then I'm probably going to be hurting for a while because he's. I don't think that he comes out as the main guy. And, I mean, you've got to be able to run to be able to set up potential. If you If you can't run as a running back, then you don't have the potential for the catch, which doesn't help for PPR at all. And he kind of has a roadblock there with Marlon Mack, and I think he can take it over, but it's going to take a little bit. And once he takes over the, the full running duty, then we can start talking about the pass catching, but it's, it, it's really dependent on your position, where you're at, and what you have in the draft. I think he could be a great player, but... The, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to see if he can get past the roadblock of Marlon Mack, and then he can take over the receiving because a a dude that a lot of people are talking about is Nine Hines, because of how Austin Eckler was treated last year with Philip Rivers, and he could potentially see a ton of targets. They like to use him, and you, you wouldn't want to hear that for a Jonathan Taylor owner. Yeah. And, it, it, it's a tight spot, but if you're in a good position, yeah, it's a great shot because he could, I mean, four or five games into the season could be your RB2, and, I mean, you're winning if you already selected two top running backs. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, so it, it, it's on your position. You you have to look at what your roster is. I think Jonathan Taylor will, will have a great season, but he you got to realize he's got to get a, over a couple of road humps to get to that premier player that we're talking about yeah i think that's a good point and i think that we both kind of share the same sentiment there i think it is the fact that jonathan taylor has a really high upside it just is a matter of how long does it take him to get to that upside and what are you drafting him to be you know that's always a question you have to ask yourself what am i drafting this guy to be is am i drafting him to be a guy i have to count on every single week and then do I flounder coming out of the gate because he's my RB2 and he's only putting up, you know, nine, ten points? Or, you know, can I wait a little bit and sit on him for a little while, maybe play somebody else in my flex, and then all of a sudden, week five or six, he's the guy and I'm set. You know, it's something you got to think about during draft time. Uh, that yeah. being said, I if, think... If you, told me, if you told me that I had Jonathan Taylor fifth week... Jonathan Taylor as my flex position, I think I would take that 10 out of 10 times. It's just getting to that fifth week. And, I mean, that if, if he's your main source of points, that's, a, that's tough because he's got to get over that, those humps. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we're spending a lot of time on Taylor because I think there's a wide range of outcomes that could happen with him. And, you know, just quick hits on the other running backs that you've heard Tony mention. Uh, Naeem Hines could have sneaky value in a PPR league. Uh, because of exactly what Tony said. Austin Eckler 2.0. Uh, do I, I don't know if Hines is as talented as Eckler, but I do know that the coaches like him. Phillip Rivers likes to dump it off. There is definite potential there, and he's a guy that's not getting drafted in fantasy drafts. Uh, Marlon Mack, we talked about. He's a good running back. I, I thought he'd have a good year last year, um, and he, he did. He had a serviceable year as far as fantasy goes. Um, I think that just a quick note on him is I think he's comparable in the conversation of another team, uh, and that would be the Kansas City Chiefs backfield. I think yep. that it's a similar scenario because, I, you know, and I'm talking about Damian Williams in their backfield because I think that 
Edwards Hilaire is it's going to cost you a lot more fantasy draft capital to get him than it is Jonathan Taylor. He's almost going. I mean, he's a second round guy guaranteed if you want him on your roster. Um, for that's that's for Edwards Hilaire. Whereas Taylor, you're going to get a little later. But my point is, there's a part of me where if you draft, and some people might view this as a waste of a draft pick, but this is a way to hedge your bet. If you draft Jonathan Taylor as your RB2, which neither of us are entirely comfortable with, then there's an argument to be had that you probably should draft Marlon Mack, you know, in that 10th round, 11th round where he's 100%, going. 100%. Because, because if Marlon Mack comes out week one and he has 70% of the carries, then you know what? Ride him ride him for a couple weeks and then all of a sudden that dynamic shift happens and Jonathan Taylor becomes the guy you have both of them and yeah then you you know you have a handcuff or you dump him and you pick someone up off waivers but at least you have it depends on how valuable you think the running back is for the Indianapolis Colts and I think I think they're going to be a good team I think that they're going to have a lot of opportunities for touchdowns and I think they're behind the best offensive line. So I think that position is valuable. The one negative is if they truly end up being a split backfield for the entire year. You're putting yourself in a tough situation. And it's just a matter of what you think is going to play out and what the risk is. So, um, Yeah, and I think, a, I think you uh, mentioned it. If, if you draft Jonathan Taylor, Marlon Max value to the rest of your fantasy group immediately deteriorates because – there's going to be a lot of people who are wanting to secure that backfield. So if you get one of them, then you can you can wait a while to get Mac because no one's going to reach out for for a pick that they they're thinking they're only going to have for four weeks. Yeah, that's true. So uh, just just have a strategy going in. You know, understand where you get Taylor, what you need him to be, and are you willing to draft Mac in case that's a split backfield for a little while. So. Uh, Moving on to the wide receiver position, this is an interesting one because, like I talked about, I think Phillip Rivers is going to make this a better passing team than Jacoby Brissett did last year. And you've got T.Y. Hilton. T.Y. Hilton has been a guy who, you know, he's had some injury uh, situations, but realistically, I mean, he's been a good fantasy option, especially in the Andrew Luck years. And right now he's at wide receiver 26 with an ADP of 51. So you're looking at him in that end of fifth, top of sixth round. And I think the question is, I mean, there's a big split across the industry here on thoughts. And it's, is he washed and injury prone? Or is he going to back, be back to being T.Y. with Phillip Rivers? And I'm going to be honest. I mean, man, I think the best way for me to look at it, because I don't know. Uh, I don't know what the right thought is here. Uh, I think T.Y. Hilton's a great quarter. I mean, a great, great wide receiver, but it just, I am nervous about him. But when I look at where he's getting drafted, this is what I wanted to ask you is he's getting drafted around guys. I'll give you five guys, two in okay. front of him and then two behind him. You got Keenan Allen, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, and DJ Chark. When I compare him to those guys, I personally think. I like him more than Keenan Allen, which makes me feel gross saying. I mean, agreed. Yeah, I, that's a grungy one. But I mean, I, I, I just Keenan Allen, I think is an amazing wide receiver. But I am very nervous about the volume in that offense. I think there's more volume here than there is there. 
There's a um, lot more question on the Chargers for sure. Yeah, because you don't know. I mean, how long is Tyrod going to have the keys? When do they turn it over to Herbert? That's a whole other conversation for tomorrow. But I think I like I I definitely like him more than Tyler Lockett. I would if I was in a situation where I was picking between those two, I know I would take T. Y. Hilton. But what's what's funny to me is the two guys behind him. I think I like both of them more, and that's D. K. Metcalf and D. J. Chark. So really? I do, I do. Okay. What do you think, man? I don't know. I think for me, PPR strictly, I think I'm going T, uh, Lockett over Metcalf, and I would still take uh, Hilton over all of them because, yeah. I mean, he, he's proven. He The only thing you really have to question is his how injury-prone he is. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, I mean, that hurts. That'll kill your season if he's one of your main guys. That'll definitely tank your season but i like i i just said ooh because i i like lockett over dk metcalf solely from the ppr aspect if it's not ppr then it changes the conversation i said before in an earlier podcast i think dk gets more uh touchdowns than tyler lockett and i think tyler lockett gets more targets than dk Mm -hmm. metcalf so For PPR, that's kind of that's what you want is as many targets as possible. Which Russell Wilson, they don't run very much, but the, he can feed them. That's the only reason I would say, ooh, to that response. Yeah. But besides that, man, I love T. Y. Hilton, and the the only thing that really hurts his value is being injury prone, and we've seen it countless times. I mean, if you're any part of the fantasy community, you know that T. Y. Hilton undergoes multiple injuries a year even if even if he's not out of the game he's playing with injuries and that's just uh, you want to try to stay away from that but I wouldn't complain with him on my team yeah yeah I mean this is going to be one of the best values you've ever been able to get him at so for sure yeah no he was going extremely high all years prior yeah so yeah so I, I I love his value that don't get me wrong I love his value it's just you're you you have to take it with a grain of salt because you got to know that he is injury prone. So yeah, work around it for sure. So uh, you know we kind of got some a little bit different thoughts there, but that's a good thing. Kind of gives you different perspectives. So um, other receivers on the roster, we don't need to talk. I don't feel like we need to talk about Paris Campbell. I think he's kind of a he's going to be big play here and there, but he's not a guy I'm looking at in fantasy. Uh, Michael, uh, Michael Pittman Jr. is, uh, they spent some real draft capital on the guy. And I think he's one reason that I'm not as bullish on Hilton as you are. Yeah. And I think the only reason is you're going to be able to get him as one of your last picks in the draft. He's going to be a flyer. He's one of the more underrated rookie wide receivers who might be in the best situation because he is almost a carbon copy in terms of body size and style of play to Mike Williams, who put up a, a big season with Phillip Rivers as a rookie as far as touchdowns. He's a big bodied guy, and Phillip Rivers really loves that. So the coach likes him, has had good things to say about him. Touchdowns are what put, put rookies over the top. Look at guys like A.J. Brown last year. Or look at guys like D.K. Metcalf. They didn't have the volume, but they had touchdowns. And I think he's worth a late-round pick. I don't think he steals a ton of targets from T.Y., but I think he may steal some touchdowns. So I do like Pittman as a late-round flyer, and I would highly recommend 
having him on your roster uh, if you have a chance as, you know, kind of a high ceiling late round flyer. Yeah, and I feel like that's a different conversation. I mean, if you're looking for the main guy, I would still say the main guy is T.Y. Hilton. He is going to be, if you're wanting a secure lock for the Indianapolis Colts, if you believe in that organization, what they have going, T.Y. is is the most lock, in my opinion. But if you're trying to get a sliver of the pie, because, I mean, sometimes that's all you need is a sliver of the pie, and Mm -hmm. you could get that at a very low price at the very end of the draft, and... I mean, like you said, Mike Williams, that, that's that's a pretty good comparison to have. And if you got that for absolutely nothing, uh, you're going to be happy 10 out of 10 times. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, last note here before we move to the tight end is T.Y. Hilton is in the last year of his contract, and they just spent – they didn't have a first-round pick, so they had two second-round picks, which they spent on Taylor and they spent on Pittman. So – they they spent draft capital on both those guys, and I think that it just depends on how you read into contract situations, but keep an eye on Pittman and how much they use him. So uh, the tight end is Jack Doyle, who's had flashes of being productive with Andrew Luck. He's at tight end 18. Uh, he's not getting drafted, so the only note here is Philip Rivers does have a good history with tight ends. Now, I will say the tight ends he's had history with are more athletic specimens than Jack Doyle uh, with Antonio Gates and Hunter Henry. But nonetheless, Rivers does like the tight end position. So he is someone for a streaming radar. I would have him on my radar. I'd have him as a streaming candidate, Jack Doyle. Just kind of keep your eye on that. Play the matchups as you go through. If a tight end goes down, if you bomb one in the draft, if you draft a late-round guy and he's not panning out, Jack Doyle is somebody to have on your radar. Definitely um, on the radar, for sure. Definitely. So he's not exciting, so there's not much more to say, but have him on your radar. Uh, and let, now let's move into uh, the Houston and, and Texans. He very, well, he very well could be exciting. He's not exciting right now, but he very well could be exciting. Right, and that's not true about all tight ends. You know, we've had some tight ends no. that we've completely skipped over, and Jack Doyle's not one of them because he is someone to keep an eye on. So Yeah, um, so now let's talk about the Houston Texans, man. The Houston Texans, uh, you know, I feel like as far as as far as we go, you know, being being from Texas and uh, being Cowboys fans, uh, unapologetically, we yeah. it's funny, man. Like the Houston Texans, just they're kind of the forgotten team here in Texas, um, and they've been fun. They really have. I mean, Deshaun Watson is a lot of fun to watch, man. I mean, he. I have no doubt he's a top five talent in the NFL. I love the guy. His college game is translated. But the Texans, man, they're just, it's just an interesting franchise. They're one of those franchises that sometimes they seem like they can't get out of their way. They have bad breaks. You know, now they've traded DeAndre Hopkins, who, you know, people look like, look at that, and that's shocking because of the talent that DeAndre Hopkins is. And so it's kind of like, what happens without Hop? You know, I mean, mm-hmm. did they have a plan? Did they have a reason? Uh, like I said, this is this is not a super strong division. It is not super top heavy. Anything could happen. So, uh, you know, we'll see what happens here. But and and to me, the Houston Texans are one of those teams that we're gonna look back in a couple years and say, oh my gosh, they had these unworldly talents on their team and completely squandered them. Yeah. did not build around them even remotely and let them slip away. I I mean, kind of reminisce to Oklahoma City 2012 
OKC Thunder. I, I you look back at that team and you say, how? Did, uh, what ha- what went wrong? How do you mess this up? I think that we will look back and the Texans from from last year to the next two years and say, just look at all the talent they had and say, man, they really squandered it. Not so much expecting them to win a Super Bowl, but just to even, I don't, reach a goal that's imaginable. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. They're, 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 not, they're not there. They, they, just, they, they just they, can't yeah. get there. They seem to underachieve at times for sure, and it, that yeah. is not because of their quarterback, Deshaun Watson. So No. It, he, that's one of the ones I'm saying was getting left out on the line. He, he is an unworldly talent, and, man, I know if you asked every Cowboys fan as much as they love Dak Prescott, they would take Deshaun Watson in a heartbeat. Because I agree. Totally. Dallas would totally know agree. how to treat him right, and he would, he would rescind the benefit from it, guaranteed. Yeah. For sure. So he is at QB6. So it's no secret that he is a hot commodity. Um, I think that he's an interesting guy. I think he's one of those guys that at the quarterback position, if you're someone who's willing to, if you're not willing to take the early round quarterbacks, meaning the Patrick Mahomes, the Lamar Jackson, uh, even, you know, then it kind of starts to bump down and you got Russell Wilson and you got Kyler Murray and Deshaun's kind of fallen right behind that group, even behind Dak Prescott, which Dak Prescott, yeah, he has more weapons. Uh, he has the better offense. There's no denying that. But I I do think that Deshaun Watson is going to be forced to use his legs more this year than he has the past couple of years. And I think he's a lock for a top 10 quarterback. I have no questions about that. And I think that he has definite potential to be a top three or four guy because I think he has a couple more rushing touchdowns. I think he has some more rushing yards. You know, maybe he gets to that 500, 600 yards in rushing. And I just, I like him a lot. And if if I was in one of those rounds where, you know, the first four or five quarterbacks had gone off the board and I had a pretty solid team, you know, talking, let me look really quick. Uh, you go on ahead and tell me what you think about Deshaun Watson. And if he's someone you'd draft where you're going to have to draft him, I'm going to find his, uh, I'm going to find his ADP really quick. I mean, I, I'm one of those guys, I'm in a position this year because I'm in a keeper spot where I'm thinking about keeping Lamar Jackson because I drafted him. It's a You keep him in the same spot that you drafted him the previous year. I drafted him in the 12th round, so I would get to keep him in the 12th round. That's so a solid that, keeper. So I'm, I'm in a position, I think Blake's just saying that because he wants me to make the wrong decision, <laughs> but I'm not sure. I'm trying to analyze it every day. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll get back to you. But I'm in the position where I'm either having to take QB, to me, is early, but it's a keeper for the 12th round. And if not, if I did not do that, I would be aiming for a QB in a little bit later round. I really love Josh Allen. Uh, I, I don't know. You're, you're kind of getting to the rounds where you don't have many options. So I, I would probably be forced into it. And I think Blake gave a A1 report on it. He's He will have more rushing yards this season. He will have more rushing touchdowns this season. It'll it'll be the Deshaun Watson show. And uh, I just hope he doesn't get injured at any point because he's yeah. a bright, young talent. And I think, I think Blake hit it nail with the hammer for sure. Yeah, so 
He is going at ADP of 64. So he's a sixth or seventh round guy, which for me, I am a little more willing to take quarterbacks in those middle rounds like that than, uh, than some people are. So Yeah, and I'm, I'm biased from my perspective. I probably would take him at that position. I'm just biased because I'm contemplating Lamar as a keeper versus yeah anybody else and i mean the thing about it is you have to decide who you are when it comes to drafting quarterbacks i'm a guy that man in the in the sixth or seventh round you could find a steal at the wide receiver position especially this year um you know a guy like aj green is sitting there kareem hunt even at the running back position uh you know guys like that are sitting there but i do you know jaron talks about it at tight end like and set it and forget it tight ends i I strive to have a sit it and forget it quarterback. I mean, you can stream them, and that's a good strategy, and it's a strategy I'm behind. Uh, but if you can get a guy like Deshaun Watson kind of after the first two waves of quarterbacks and then you jump out there and get him, then, you know, I, he's a sit it and forget it guy even if their team's not great. So that's a lot of time spent on Deshaun, but he is a good quarterback, and he's behind that first couple waves of quarterbacks. So – if you don't want to draft a quarterback early, but you want to draft a guy who has top three upside, I think your best bet there is Deshaun Watson. So Yeah, and I, I agree 100%. I'm just a little bit biased because my mind's been constructed around Lamar this whole time. So Right, right. Yeah, I, I, trying, to, trying to gauge how valuable he is outside of what his position is. And, yeah, I, that's a, he's a great pick. I, Deshaun's awesome. You just hope that he doesn't get injured. Yeah, absolutely. So so let's talk about some of his supporting cast because it's obviously changed a good amount. And you've got David Johnson. David Johnson is a popular talking point for fantasy this year. You know, I've seen people that are going as extreme as saying they could see him being in the top five at the running back position. And then you've got people who, and they have a good point. You know, they say, man, look at his tape from last year in Arizona, and he looked done. So you've got all sides of the spectrum on David Johnson. He is at running back 21. He is at an ADP of 38, which is, it's a little higher than I thought. Um, You know, he's kind of been moving up in the ADP world, but here's my argument for David Johnson. And you're going to be drafting him in the fourth round, third or fourth round, probably fourth round. Some drafts he might fall to the fifth round. It just depends on what people think about him. But the point is, there are 150 vacated targets by DeAndre Hopkins leaving. That is a lot of targets. It is normal in football for vacated targets, a big chunk of them, to be distributed to the running back position. Unless you bring in... So, you know, they did not replace DeAndre Hopkins with another superstar wide receiver. So it is fair to think that a portion of those will go to the running back position. Duke Johnson is still in town, but David Johnson is known for being a receiving running back. So I think Duke Johnson True. is a moot. I think he's a moot point this year. I'm not worried about Duke. So my, my point is you have this situation where there's 150 vacated targets. Carlos Hyde, who went to the Texans last year, last minute, ended up having 245 carries and over 1,000 yards rushing on the season. And so for me, the question becomes, is David Johnson better than Carlos Hyde? And for me, that's a no-brainer. Yes, he's better than Carlos Hyde, which translates to, okay, so that means 
He's a pretty sure bet to have 250 carries, possibly, you know, anywhere from 275 to 300 touches. So if that's the case, I do think he has a significant upside. I do think that he could be a top 10 running back, no doubt. And that's where I sit on it. But that's me thinking that the way he looked on film last year is not the player that he truly is. You know, I don't think he is already past his prime. That is me. A lot of people do. I don't think that he is. So I think he has a lot of potential. I like where he's getting drafted. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. I mean, you. I think you hacked my phone and read what I had <laughs> written down because that was that was the gist of everything. And, uh, I mean, we're comparing Carlos Hyde. He's a dog, but we're, we're talking straight line running. David Johnson, people forget the type of player David Johnson is. And the thing is, when he gets these rushing opportunities and he takes hold of them, they're going to want to keep David Johnson on the field as much as possible. Uh, they love Duke, but they're going to want to keep David Johnson in the flow of the game. I mean, they just traded away DeAndre Hopkins. They are not going to get this guy and not make a full show, show pony of him. Right. So, so they are going to want to keep him on the field. And like you said, he's getting – He's going to get a ton of targets. Those targets have to go somewhere. And we'll talk about Brandon Cook earlier, later. But he is going to get a ton of targets. They have to go somewhere. After DeAndre leaves, they have to go somewhere. I really like David Johnson at that spot. I hope that I'm not in a position where I have to draft him because I will do it for sure. And... One thing out there, listeners, don't draft Duke Johnson in place of David Johnson. That would yeah. be critical. That True will that. get you that will get you memed for sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, that is very true. That D Johnson for the Texans, you better take a second look. So um but yeah, man, I mean, like I said, David Johnson is an interesting guy and it just depends on if you think he is a shell of himself or you think you're getting the real David Johnson. The Texans did not trade for his contract and get rid of DeAndre Hopkins thinking that they were getting a shell of David Johnson. They at least think that he's going to be their guy. So we got some excitement there, which takes us over to the wide receivers. So this is an interesting one. Uh, Brandon Cooks is there. And I think we're going to talk about Brandon Cooks and Will Fuller in the same breath because... Yep. You've got Cooks at wide receiver 36. You got Fuller at wide receiver 35. You got Cooks ADP of 87. You got Fuller at 88. So they are back to back because I feel like, you know, like I said, there's 150 vacated targets. They're not all going to go to the running back position. So some of them are going to go to these wide receivers. And I, for me, it's take your pick. They're, I don't think they're both going to be rock stars. You know, you've had the days where DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller both showed out. I just, I don't see this being the same scenario. Um, I think that the ball is going to get distributed a little bit more between all of them. But, I mean, if I'm picking one guy, I'm picking Brandon Cooks. For one reason and one reason 100%. only. 100%. I mean, 
And the reason I'm picking him is because, A, Bill O'Brien is excited about him. He's been on the record talking about being excited about him. And he's also been on the record talking about how he feels like Brandon Cooks is a durable wide receiver. So you can't let recency bias just because last year he got knocked silly and had a horrible concussion situation pretty much through a good portion of the year. In the last, like, I think since 2015, he had only missed two games. So concussions to me are kind of an anomaly. I, I mean, some guys, they become a recurring problem. Jordan Reed, other guys in that breath. I, I'm not ready to say that that's Brandon Cooks. So I think he's durable. Will Fuller is a home run guy, but he is always hurt. And hamstrings for a fast guy turn me off real quick. So that's where I sit on both these guys. I, I, I would take Cooks over Fuller, and I think that with Deshaun Watson, I would not be disappointed to get a guy like this, get Deshaun Watson's wide receiver one in the ninth round. Yeah, I agree entirely because that's a great point about Will Fuller. That's a that's a worse injury for a sprinter than a concussion, even though a concussion is really bad as it is, and it sucks that Brandon Cooks has gone through what he's gone through. But that is that's who I'm rolling with. You look at 2015, 2016, 2017, 2018, every year over a thousand. I mean, adding them to Deshaun Watson. Uh, I think it, I mean you have to. I think you have to if you're taking a stab at either one of them. It, you're hoping to be the first guy to take a stab, and you're taking a stab at Brandon Cooks because if you're the second guy, then you got to take the second best option, which is Will Fuller. Because I mean, there's still potential there, but the just more risk. The yeah, the diamond in in the rough is Brandon Cooks, I believe. Yeah, definitely. So, so you know what, man? I mean, like I like we said, a wide receiver one. Deshaun Watson's quarterback in the ninth round. That's why this is a draft where people are saying there's a lot of wide receiver depth. Because, I mean, if if it wasn't Brandon Cooks, people would be excited no matter who it was if it was Deshaun Watson's wide receiver one in the ninth round. So, uh, and then you match that with Cooks being a talented receiver who has shown that he can get it done. I like him. Uh, I think he was a fifth or sixth round last year. So I, I, yeah. and he's moving to a team where he's a more prominent positions. Yeah. So it only makes sense that he should go higher and he's sure. lower because of his, how the season ended last year with the concussions. So, right. Right. If he gets around that, man, you might really steal it. People will Absolutely. probably start reaching by the time the season starts. Absolutely. So, uh, last wide receiver on the, on the kind of depth chart to talk about is Randall Cobb. Uh, they brought him in, they paid the man. He had a really kind of a under the radar great season with the Cowboys last year. Um, the only reason I'm bringing him up is because you could get him with your last pick, and I think it just depends on who you are. Are you wanting a super high upside uh, guy with your last pick in the draft, or are you wanting someone that's kind of safe that is, you know, like I said, there's a lot of targets to go around. He's done it for a long time, he's consistent. Um, he would be a safe last pick. That's probably going to be, you could probably stick him in your flex a couple weeks and get lucky. So that's not how I draft. I'm going to be taking a high upside guy, but it was just Definitely. worth a, worth a mention there. It's not worth it. Right. So, uh, and then you got Darren Fells at the tight end position, man. He ran into some touchdowns last year. He's not on my radar at all. Nope. 
So not a drafting, not a guy that I'd draft. So uh, that's that's about it for the Texans. And now we move into, man, just a, a team that has done a total 180 in a not very long time, and that's the Jacksonville Jaguars. And, you know, man, last year – Jaguars, they go out, they get their quarterback, they get Nick Foles, and they've got Fournette, and everybody's talking about D.D. Westbrook, and blah, 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 and then all of a sudden Foles gets hurt, and, you know, and then you've got the drama with Jalen Ramsey on the defensive side, and they've just been a murky team that just seems to be rebuilding. You know, you don't get rid of two corners that are arguably two of the top ten, top five corners in the league because A.J. Boyer is gone as well. You don't get rid of those guys unless you're rebuilding. So um, I read this in an article, and I think this is spot on. I think that what they're doing this year is they're giving the keys to Gardner Minshew, and they're going to say, okay, look, man, you were a six-round pick. We never expected this of you. Go show us what you got. And they are saying – Basically, we're going to put Gardner out there, and if he performs and overachieves and all of a sudden we're competitive in this division, great. Or if Gardner just absolutely sucks and, you know what, he had a fun rookie year and then he starts to tank, then they're fine with tanking and getting a high draft pick and drafting their quarterback next year. Uh, I think that's where they sit. And for me, Gardner Minshew... Uh, I've already said this about uh, one quarterback, you know, outperforming their ADP, but I think Gardner Minshew right now is at quarterback 23. And I have the utmost confidence that he outperforms that number. I No part of me thinks that he will be quarterback 23. Um, do I think he's a top 10 quarterback? No, absolutely not. But do I think he ends up being a really good streaming option when we talk about streamers? Yes. Um because two reasons. One, last year he ran for 344 yards. That's something not a lot of people think about. Um, we talked about basically to be a top 10 running back, I mean quarterback, you have to run for over 250 yards. It's a necessity. Well, Gardner did that and then some. On top of that, Jay Gruden is the new offensive coordinator. I like Jay Gruden. Uh, you know, some guys don't have success as a head coach, but they're still a great coordinator. And that's where I'm at with Jay Gruden. I think that he gives Gardner a little bit of a boost. Uh, so that being said, I'm not drafting Gardner by any means, but he's going to be on my radar for streaming a little bit later in the year. And not to mention just his jorts in general make him a very, very exciting candidate. So yeah, he, he'll definitely have some hype weeks. He'll be trending on Twitter and he'll go about three weeks where he just wins everybody their week. That, that's just the Minshew way. Absolutely. The Minshew way. I like that. So, so there's Gardner Minshew. And now, man, this is why I say they seem to be rebuilding because the running back position, Leonard Fournette, who has been injury ridden throughout his career, even his last year of college. Um, last year, he didn't have any injury concerns. And la it was almost like last year was just this weird freak year for Leonard Fournette. He's not known as a pass catching running back. He's known for getting injured, and both of those were they couldn't have been more untrue last year. Last year he did, he stayed healthy, and he had over a hundred targets. I mean, he literally turned into a PPR machine, but he only had three touchdowns on the year. 
So it's like he did all the things that he wasn't supposed to be good at, and he didn't do the things he was good at. And then now, this offseason, there have been talks about him being traded. There have been talks about him being cut. There's no long-term deal on the table. I just, when it, this is one where, you know, you asked me before the show how I feel about him. And just taking my fantasy football knowledge and analysis out of it, I don't feel good about it. I don't feel good because I don't have a good feeling for it. And because of that, I'm not drafting him. You know, he's, his ADP is 27. So he's still a third round pick. I mean, that's not like, that's not a super high pick, but it's also, right. I mean, I'm not comfortable there because I'm probably drafting my running back too in that situation. And yeah, I mean, oh man, I just, here's my thing. And this was kind of what put me over the top of not, I don't feel good about it to begin with, but I at least wanted some data. And here's my data to say why I will not be drafting him. I think he's going to regress to the mean and he's going to have more touchdowns. I think there's a good chance that he could be hurt because last year he didn't get hurt and he is injury prone. He has that kind of body. Um, But my biggest argument is there's no way he has 100 targets again. So in a PPR league, I see no situation where he has that many targets because they brought in Chris Thompson. Chris Thompson historically with Jay Gruden has been a phenomenal third down back. So yeah. So I, I don't see the PPR upside. I see that there's potential injury risk. I see that there's a lot of drama and I'm just staying away from all of it. So um, I'm staying away from Fournette. I'm not taking him where you're going to have to take him. And you know what, man, we could look back at the end of the year and that could be a mistake. He could repeat what he did last year, but I'm not betting on him repeating what he did last year and scoring more touchdowns. I'm betting on maybe he scores more touchdowns, but he scores less points overall because of the lack of receiving and missing a few games. Yep. I agree. So, um, Chris Thompson, you think, uh, do you think there's any value for Chris Thompson? Uh, he's at running back 61. He's not someone that you're going to have to draft. He could be a last round dart throw. You go draft him. Um, but any, any thoughts there? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, basically he's reunited with Jay Gruden and he's going to be a good streaming option is what I think. And I, he's a get lucky off the, off the wire for sure. Yeah. So if you're hurting in the middle of the season and you need a guy who's probably going to have a solid floor because in a PVR league, Chris Thompson might be your guy. Um, now let's move into the wide receiver position. So DJ Chark is a guy I mentioned earlier. Uh, when we were talking about um, we're talking about T.Y. Hilton and having some somewhat of a similar draft capital, so D.J. Chark's at wide receiver twenty one, ADP of fifty three. He finished last year at wide receiver seventeen, um, and he just has such a high range of outcomes. Is my thing like I think that him and Gardner have a real connection, and I think that that connection is going to stick this year, and I think he's extremely talented. Uh, I think that he could finish as a top 12 wide receiver. You know, I, I he could be a wide receiver one. I don't doubt that. Uh, he could also, I mean, that's the side I sit on. I think that there are other outcomes where 
He underperforms, can't do what he did last year. He's not really a PPR monster. He's more of a touchdown guy. Um, But I personally sit on the side of the fence where I see this being a team that Jay Gruden's going to pass the ball a little bit more than they have in the past. Uh, He's going to see what Gardner can do. Gardner has a good rapport with DJ Chark. DJ Chark is highly talented. And on top of that, I think they're going to be playing from behind a lot, which in fantasy football has proven that that can you can get trash time and trash time can be valuable. So I really love DJ Chark at his current draft capital. I really, really love him. And when we were talking about those five guys earlier, personally, I would he's the top guy on my list when it comes to Keenan Allen, Tyler Lockett, T.Y. Hilton, DK Metcalf. DJ Chark is above all those guys for me personally. Yeah, so they showed last year that there was a great connection between Minshew and Chark. So, I mean, that's just not going to disappear. That's only going to grow stronger. I could totally see him being a top 12 wide receiver this next season. And where he's going at, he's a he's a great value. That It'd be a tough pick out of those guys mentioned for me, but he's a he's a wonderful value and I I think it is definitely in the realm of possibility that he finishes inside the top 12. Yeah, for sure. So, both we're both thinking highly of him and, you know, I I told you if I'm putting him up up against those other guys who are getting drafted right around him, he's the one that I'm taking the risk on out of that out of that group. So, uh, people might be out there saying, well, what about D.D. Westbrook? He had all sorts of hype last year. He, he was a great wide receiver coming out of Oklahoma. Yes, 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 all those things are true. But at the end of the day, um, I just I don't think they're going to have the volume to produce two star wide receivers. And it was pretty much proven last year that D.J. Chark and Gardner Minshew have the connection. So I have, I have no hope. For D.D. Westbrook necessarily. Um, so the last position to talk about for the Jaguars is the tight end position. And they have a name that people have always heard in fantasy and they've always been disappointed by, and that's Tyler Eifert. Um, Tyler Eifert is a talented guy. He can score touchdowns. He scored touchdowns in Cincinnati. He put up great numbers when he was playing in Cincinnati. But he is a guy that is 100% labeled as injury prone. I say all that. To then say that he's at tight end 33 and in no world should he be that low. Um, there are going to be, I mean, situations, scoring situations, targets to go around on this team. And, I mean, this him being in tight end 33 is purely based on injury history. There are a bevy of tight ends in front of him that I would not touch before I went for Eifert. Now, that's all saying that Eifert does not need to be drafted, but when you start looking at waivers and if Eifert's healthy and don't be surprised if he's performing, if he's healthy, but it's a big question. Will he be healthy? Maybe he'll be healthy in Jacksonville. Who knows? Maybe it was a change of scenery for his body. <laughs> um, so if Tony's done anything to add there, then we will move into. Well, yeah, pro- no, I, th- I think Tyler, that's a crazy ranking. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's wild. I wouldn't expect him to be that low. It's, 100% off his injury history. Yeah. So if nothing else, just don't let him get buried out of your thoughts because he's their, he's their tight end one. He's the guy and he is talented. 
It's just, can he stay healthy? So, and finally, we'll move to the darlings of the division. Um, or the, and man, I mean, it's the Tennessee Titans. And basically, Tannehill got paid. There was a lot of talk about Tom Brady to Tennessee. It didn't happen. They paid Tannehill. And can they make another run? You know, I think they surprised people with what they did last year. I think they are a good football team. And then I think the question becomes, you know, what happens with Tannehill? And what happens with this offense? I I don't see necessarily a regression. I think Tannehill's a good quarterback. I don't think last year was a fluke. I think that we mentioned this, I feel like almost once a podcast, Adam Gase, not a good coach. I'm a former coach. I don't like calling people not a good coach. Adam Gase, not a good coach. Um, and then all of a sudden you see Tannehill show up and in his first season away from Miami, turns into a rock star. And when I say rock star, I mean rock star because he started in week six. That's when he started to be the quarterback. Week six through 17, he was QB four. And I think that that's an underrated stat that people don't know is despite them being a low volume offense, he was QB four. Now, yeah, and he was QB4 on the back of amazing efficiency, really unsustainable efficiency, but nonetheless, QB4. Like, that doesn't really happen by accident. So... It appeared that they played really well to a system for him. They they accommodated to him, which, I mean, they were coming from Mariota, which isn't far from him, but Tannehill took advantage of the opportunity, and I think that can, can continue unless... They start keying in on what they're doing. Man, he looked awesome last year for sure. Yeah, and here's the thing. Right now he's at QB 16. He's at QB 16, and man, I can tell you right now, Baker Mayfield's in front of him. I can't stand that. Um, I know Baker Mayfield has an amazing offense, but no. Uh, I know, dude. I'm I'm not on Baker at all. You you missed the podcast where me and Jaron went. I, I went off on Baker. I went off on Baker more than I even thought I would. Um, but my point is, I mean, I get it. There's a lot of talented quarterbacks in this league, and you know, there's a good chance that Tannehill gets left on um, left in waivers, and you're able to stream him. And I will say, their schedule to start the season is very tough. So I looked at it because you know there's some strategy where you're like, you know what? Hey man, I'm going to wait till the very end of the draft and I'm going to take a guy that I think could have some high upside. And then I'm going to stream throughout the year. Well, the problem with that is Tannehill may be a guy that you have to wait to stream because for the first five weeks of the season, four of his opponents are Denver, Minnesota, Pittsburgh, and Buffalo, all good defenses that are not kind to quarterbacks. Um, But nonetheless, don't be shocked if, and this is going to be a thing that kind of gets repeated during this segment, is everybody's like, oh, they can't sustain that efficiency. They can't be that efficient again. They can't be that efficient again. Dude, first of all, they come from the New England system with Mike Vrabel being their head coach. Um, they're not going to change the way they played last year. I do not believe they're going to change the way they played. Maybe they open it up a little more, which can't hurt Ryan Tannehill. But I think they're still going to be efficient because of the style that they play. So I think QB 16, you know, it's, it's hard for me to look at guys in front of him because they have big name value and think that he's going to finish in front of these guys. But he did it last year, and I don't doubt that he could do it again. So um, Ryan Tannehill is a Tom Brady who can run. Yeah, 
Yeah. And he can run. That's a low-key thing about Ryan Tannehill. He can run the ball. I mean, he can run. He's athletic. So that could be something you see more of this year, which even helps with his floor. So um, anyway, Tannehill's an interesting guy for me. And part of the reason I think that he has a chance to be really efficient is because of the backfield. Because Derrick Henry is a tank. He is a freak of nature. And right now he's at running back seven and an ADP of seven. Um, he gets insane volume. He had over 300 carries last year and he had 16 rushing touchdowns. That's nuts. Um, do I think he's going to get that amount of volume again? Yeah, I, I do. Um, I mean, you know, it's, that's why I think Tannehill could be just as efficient because I think he's going to get the same amount of carries. Um, the question becomes what type of league are you in? Are you in a PPR league? Are you in a standard league? And in a PPR league, he does lose some value because he will not catch the ball. Very rarely will he catch the ball. Um, So, you know, people are kind of having him in that conversation of Ezekiel Elliott, Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon, Derrick Henry. So out of those guys, I know you're higher on Elliott, so let's take him out of the scenario. But when you talk about Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon, and Derrick Henry in a PPR league, which one are you taking? He's just, when you're looking at PPR, he obviously doesn't catch the ball that much, but he is an outlier because he's a different type of animal. And mm-hmm. I think he can make those points back that that other other backs are catching. He can make those points back and still carry your team as an RB1. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, I tend to sit on the other side of that. Um, obviously, Cook has the question marks because of the holdout, but I would be on the Cook side for sure. If I was in that, that's close, but I think I, I maybe would side with Derrick Henry. Yeah, and then Mick, he's a oh man, he's crazy. Once he gets in the if he gets a split <laughs> in his face, that's it. Yeah, he's a he's a beast, man. There's no doubt about it. It's just I I think I get hung up on the receiving maybe too much. Uh, but yeah, and that's the thing is he's he's outside of of thinking what a PPR running back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're in a PPR league, and Derrick Henry is not that at all. But right. he's a different animal, so it's yeah. kind of like if, if he can get the same volume, watch out. That's yeah, all I can say. definitely, and I think that's a good that's a good argument and that's a good opinion for people to hear because it's definitely like you said an outlier. But I think he has value no matter what type of league you're in, standard or PPR, and he's going to be in the first part of. I mean, he's going to be in the middle of the first round getting taken. And I wouldn't be shocked if someone in some leagues take him as the third running back off the board, fourth running back off the board. So, um, all bets off the table. Uh, the only other thing about the running back position is, uh, Darrington Evans. He is the handcuff. They spent some draft capital on him. Really just know the name, uh, know the name. If you're thinking you're going to have Derrick Henry, see if you want to spend some capital and have him as a handcuff. No one else is going to draft him. Uh, he could be your very last pick. Uh, but he would be the workhorse if Derrick Henry went out. There's no doubt. Um, the next guy to talk about, and um, man, he had a hell of a rookie season. And I'm going to let you talk about him first. That is A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown, amazing season. All I'll give you before you take off is he's wide receiver 18 and an ADP of 42. So what are your thoughts? 
Man, I think this boy can get fed this season. I mean, they they proved that what he could be as a force on the field, and it's only going to get better from there. I'm all in on A.J. Brown. I think he's a great option at where he's at. And, man, he he's, he's someone who could prove himself to be as one of the best talents in the league. He just hasn't done it yet. It's definitely on the table. And yeah. Ryan Tannehill could get them could get him to that position because Ryan Tannehill has been operating like a madman. I think I think AJ Brown could really surprise some people this season. Yeah, for sure. I because mean, he he's if you ask just the common watcher, not really a fantasy expert, they're not really gonna know who AJ Brown is, and he could he could pop onto the top of the charts by next season. Yeah, definitely. And what's funny is, you know, I saw I saw some analyst. I can't remember if it was someone from ESPN or where, but they they tweeted to AJ Brown that the biggest mistake that he ever made was standing next to DK Metcalf in that photo. And they didn't say it as a negative. They were just saying like, the thing is AJ Brown is a freak too. He is a huge human being and he is amazingly athletic. Um, And people kind of just think about DK Metcalf. Um, But you know, last year with Ryan Tannehill, he was wide receiver 11 overall. And that was on only 82 targets. You know, other guys that we talk about in the top, you know, as, a, as wide receiver 11, how many targets they get. Like, those guys are getting, you know, 120, 115 targets. He only got 82. If he can get 100 targets, if he can get 110 targets, which I do think there will be more passing targets this year. You know, yeah, Tannehill, so did not, Tannehill did not play weeks one through five. Uh, and, you know, he showed, he got paid, he showed that he can do it. I, I just think that the offense is going to open up a little bit more. A.J. Brown's going to get more involved. I agree. I think getting him in the fifth round, he is a guy that has some breakout potential in year two. So, you know, I'm looking at his, you know, he's next to another popular guy that people think are going to break out, and that's Calvin Ridley. Well, if you ask me who I'm taking out of those two, I'm taking A.J. Brown every day of the week. He's yep. the wide he's the Twice wide receiver on one. Yeah, yeah. He's wide receiver one for his team, and he is gonna show out. I think there's a good chance. So, um, I guess the last position to talk about is uh, you mentioned him in the pre-show, so I'll let you hit it. That's Jonu Smith. Um, for a guy who's been talked about a lot in fantasy circles, he's still only tied in 16 and an ADP of 153. So, uh, what are your thoughts on Jonu Smith? Um, to me, they're going to keep it a real short game. I mean, I mentioned it earlier. I think he's Tom Brady that can run. And I think they keep it real short game. And what plays into the short game with the play action is a tight end. And Johnny Smith really hasn't really gotten an op- opportunity up till this point. And he will have the keys to the car this season. So, I mean, it's crazy that he's ranked so low. I'm not super, super high on him, obviously, but it's crazy that he's ranked so low. You could you could steal him easily. Yeah. I mean, he is a very hot target in late rounds, and I wouldn't be surprised if his ADP moves up just based on the fantasy community talking about him a lot. Yeah, he's I can a, see that. He's a sleeper on every list that you look at. But I, 
I do think it's for good reason. I mean, he's a freak athlete. And I also think the Titans have shown with Delaney Walker that they can produce a top 10 tight end. And Jonu has never really been given the keys. Like last year, he he did he kind of underperformed once he got the starting role, once Delaney Walker was gone. But nonetheless, like there's a big difference between becoming the starter because of an injury and being the starter from day one. There's a big difference there in terms yeah, he's of he's 24 years old. Right. Still young, right in that prime time to break out. And I think it's funny. I was kind of in a place where I was like, oh, everybody's hyping up Jonu Smith as a sleeper. And, you know, I feel like he's, you know, is he just going to get talked up and then finish outside the top 10? But when you look at it, I mean, the guys in front of him, I, I'm definitely taking him over Dallas Goddard. I'm definitely, even though I talked about liking Mike Gesicki, I'm taking him over Gesicki. I'm taking him over Hawkinson. Uh, I'm, ta- I'm taking him over Noah Fant. We're going to talk about Noah Fant tomorrow. I think that there's a lot more targets to go around in Tennessee than there will be in Denver. Denver has a crew of wide receivers that we'll talk about. So at this point, you know, I don't like Austin Hooper this year on the Browns. So as I go down this list, all these guys in front of Jonah Smith, he keeps moving higher and higher into my top 10. And, you know, Hayden Hurst, who I think when we started the podcast was at like tight end 17 or 18, well, he's moved all the way up to tight end 11. So, <laughs> of course. Exactly. So, you know, us. I think that's going to start happening with Jonu Smith too. But I do think if he's a late-round tight end, you could end up being very happy with him. Yeah, a pick at that position, I mean, if you haven't secured a tight end by that spot, you're really just looking for upside because if it doesn't happen, then you go to the waiver wire, you find a guy. So you're looking for upside, and I think Johnny Smith presents the most upside out of all those really mid-range tight ends. Right. Absolutely. And what I look at when I'm looking at tight end is a few things. One, I look at the, the age slash style of their quarterback. So, you know, I love tight ends with a young quarterback. Well, Tannehill's not a young quarterback, so skip that. But, like you said, the style. I think Tannehill will like having – that underneath guy to drive the ball to in being Jonah Smith. The, yeah. the, the other thing that I look at is the, the has, does their team historically give targets to the tight end position? You know, I think Jonu Smith, one reason when I was first thinking about him um, not being a breakout candidate and not really feeling great about him was because of OJ Howard. I feel like they're very comparable. They're both yeah. super athletic they're both freaks of nature and you know look at what oj howard did last year but oj howard was in a system that has never used the tight end i think jonu smith is in a different situation he's in a system that does use a tight end so those are kind of some of my boxes that i like to check for a tight end who i'm going to take a risk on in later rounds and jonu smith fills those boxes so yeah most upside for sure so uh, guy to keep on your radar. We finally had some tight ends to talk about, so that's nice. Um, All it takes is one week, and he'll be in a, a tight end one. All absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, we will wrap it up with our division prediction. Uh, you know, I don't feel great about this because I think this division is up in the air. Um, but I do think the Tennessee Titans win the division again. I just think they're the best team in the division, most well-rounded team. 
Uh, I like the Colts to come in second. I think that Phillip Rivers is going to give this team a little more of a boost than most people think. Um, I think the Texans come in third purely because of Deshaun Watson, and I think it's close between them and the Colts. And I think the Jaguars fin- Jaguars finish at the bottom. I just uh, there's two. I I don't like drama. I don't like dark clouds, and they have too many of them. Yeah, I would love to disagree, but I think I have to agree with how the rankings would shape out through you. But for a twist, I'm going to put my fantasy rankings. And I believe for fantasy, if you're only looking at it at a fantasy aspect, I think the Texans are the number one fantasy output team. I would put... I think I would put the Indianapolis Colts as second, Tennessee Titans as third, and Jaguars as fourth. Nice. Interesting take. I, li- I like that, though. I like that you did that. I I think that I agree about the Texans because I think Deshaun Watson will do some fireworks. I think one of those wide receivers will shake out to have a good year, and I lo- we both love David Johnson, so I like that. I like how you put into perspective that the real NFL doesn't necessarily translate exactly. to fantasy. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think Tennessee Titans, it's theirs to lose, but they're boring in terms of fantasy. So you have to look at it in terms of fantasy. The Houston Texans are a gold mine to me in my eyes out of this division. They're a gold mine. So that it's great. Yeah. It's a different game. You can't get too caught up in the real NFL. Definitely. Well, that's a good point to make. Uh, This is fantasy football. You love it. You love it because of the parody and because of the unknowns. So hopefully we're helping you out going through these divisions and we We'll be on tomorrow with our last last division breakdown. We will be breaking down the AFC West and our boy Mahomes that got that bag. So and maybe Jaron will join us. Yeah, we'll see. Only we'll see if the old man's hope. here. <laughs> but uh, other than that, we appreciate you listening, and we are out. Deuces.